Hey everybody, welcome back to another installment of The Product Guys. Today I'm very excited to have the whole gang back together. We've got Ahad, we've got Andrew, we've got Rob, myself, I am Tim. And today's a good one. I think what we go over is just with a general topic of career, we go over how you can choose a career and choose a job with huge upside in terms of you know, getting a lot of money out of it at, at the end of the day. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about a career North Star. Andrew gives his take and we all chime in. And we also talk about life because a job is only a part of life. And sometimes you have to think about it all in perspective. So hope you enjoy this one. Sam had one of her old coworkers over last night who works at Customer with a K who was just acquired by Facebook. And he's doing pretty well. Um, and I know when I'm putting myself in shoes, like given that I'm newer to the tech field, it's like, okay, if I'm so already solved from a cash flow standpoint, the next thing that I want to do is from a hierarchy standpoint, identify like what broad theme or industry do I think is going to have the biggest potential or the greatest probability for success. And then how can I position myself to be a part of that? Not just from earning my salary, but having the opportunity to participate in the eventual buyout or when this thing is acquired or bought out by somebody else. So sort of positioning your career with that in mind, um, so I, did just I think that. is something super cool. I, I actually did just that. Um, mm -hmm. I think the interesting thing is that, as you all know, my risk tolerance is like, from my insurance and actuarial background, it's kind of low, right? Like I'm, I'm not very risk tolerant. I also don't, I don't believe you can, I don't believe I can predict which companies end up being bought or sold uh, and have like huge upsides. I think startups will always have big upsides, right? Startups, the smaller you enter them, the higher the risk, the bigger the payoff because you're going to own more shares of the company, et cetera. So when I went looking around, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go for a startup because potentially if they sell, go public, they're going to offer me some shares. It's going to be worth some money. A company already public, you're not going to get as much upside. Um, but the thing that I consider is I think wherever I go, I have to really still enjoy the work. I still have to really enjoy being a product person, working with the people. I align with their vision and the North Star, how that company works. I have to enjoy all that. I have to like it throughout because if I hated it just because I think there's this really great company that one day could just blow up and make me a ton of money. I think that's probably not a good bet. Plus, you don't really know. You never really know, right? You could have been with Emily Holmes and thought you were going to go public, and then you went bankrupt. So, mm -hmm. Or in jail. So, silly old man question. Did we hit the record button? It's always on the record button. <laughs> I, all right, good. So if we're, if we're just talking about it, then I've got some additional thoughts about, mm -hmm. about that package piece um, as opposed to just introducing the topic. But... Um, yeah, I, to your point, I think that you've you've got to look at it holistically. Um, you know, I I'll bring it around, I promise. But there was um, I was I was at an event. There was a religious leader who was talking about his priorities, and they were for his kids and and family, and they were in order relationship with uh, with their religion, character, 
academics, sports. And when kind of looked at how they spent their time, it was in order sports, academics, a little bit around, you know, character, are you a good person or not? And then religion, right? So I think that oftentimes as you're looking at a new role, it's really challenging to contextualize what that role is going to do in your space and time, right? So all the comp and Ben is not going to do anything for you if it leads to a divorce and you say, I value my, my life, mm-hmm. right? You know, like I know so many people who've blown up multiple marriages, not because they were doing something wrong, but because they were just focused on, let's call it the wrong thing for that marriage. Um, and, you know, no matter what the title is after that, the money just can't possibly compete with, you know, having to move out, having to get a divorce attorney. When are you going to see your kids? All that stuff. Um, so I think that one of the challenges whenever someone's talking about new role or risk is, um, especially when I, I, I talk to men, not to unnecessarily gender things, um, is that the focus tends to be on the role as opposed to on the lifestyle associated with the role. Does that make Absolutely. any sense? That make, it makes total sense. And, and there is this really cool, and I forgive me, whoever this is that I'm not giving credit to, because um, I just don't recall, but uh, somebody uh, made this YouTube video, which was phenomenal. If I can find it, I'll link it in the show notes here. Um, but what it does is it, in essence, has an empty vase and your life is filled up of so many things and the way that you can in essence maximize your life or time spent you'll say is first through like in essence backing into the solution so it's like okay like 50 or 60 percent of my life is going to be work so i'm going to put a big rock into this vase because that's something that is easy to be uh, put in and then when you sprinkle in these other things um like and I'm not saying this in a hierarchy standpoint, but um, marriage or family or sports, um, each of those have different proportions of weighting. But if you back into those bigger topic or themes first, then you sprinkle in the pebbles. It's a way that you can maximize sort of your time spent. And that wasn't the, the best representation of that, but um, in essence, backing into what you want to focus on by starting with those larger topics of, of work. And so I'll digress there, but. Um... Yeah, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And also um, I think I heard somewhere, which always uh, stuck with me. Um, sometimes you have to give more importance to these other uh, aspects that Rob mentioned about and how you can do this is that your health and your, relationships they're like a crystal ball they're something to to cherish um and then uh, but the thing with the crystal ball is that if they fall down they shatter uh it's tough to piece them back together work is a continu- continuous thing uh, and that's like a bouncy rubber ball so even if it, if it falls down it always bounces back at some point so, so i think um it's it's very important to look at things from a whole context and of course, when you look at these big companies versus startups, uh, what Tim was talking about, uh, you can really see very clearly how these other aspects do get affected. Um, you, you can't have any specific, just if you look at uh, an overall high level thing, you would think that in startups, there would be more impact on other aspects of your life. 
But of course, there are other bigger companies as well um, that demand a lot from you. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to maybe guide our conversation a little bit to focus on, because I think we can jump down the rabbit hole of sort of having the philosophical discussion of how much should you allocate of your life to work versus pleasure versus relationships. But um, at least for our discussion here, maybe let's focus on work um, just because product uh, obviously is, is a career that a lot of our listeners and all of us here have focused on. And I'd love to sort of hear how we all think of um, sort of creating that hierarchy of, okay, am I going to go work at an IBM that's super, uh, I shouldn't say super safe because nothing's really safe in an era of immediate or overnight innovation, but how do we think about that ratio of should I work for that big conglomerate versus the uh, the new startup or the new idea that a friend or old colleague has? Um, so how do we sort of think about that? Well, I, I'm kind of curious, Andrew. What? Uh, how do you how do you interpret that initially, and then maybe I can layer on on top of that, just because I've done that calculus a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so how how I personally do it is similar to my investment philosophy is I like to always have a horizon that's almost 10 years out. And I, I sort of cycle through this exercise, call it once a quarter, where I try to look at the world as it is right now. And then I back into what are the top or the, the biggest themes that are going to impact humanity within the next decade? And this is something that's going to be super fluid and is always going to be changing. But by doing this exercise, I feel like I'm fairly confident. I can be at least aware of these new themes or um, categories. And so <clears throat> that's where personally um, something that, that I'm, laser focused on um, and I'm working from a long-term goal standpoint toward this is being a part of what I view as a new trillion plus industry is um, for all those people that enjoy the movie her uh, creating that digitalized AI that is going to be potentially interfaced from a financial standpoint, from a, a leisure standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint I really view that as almost like a stem cell for anything that's going to be in essence, magnifying everybody's lives. Um, because I view the most important resource is time. And so anything from a product standpoint that we can make um, to give back time to people, I think that's the most important resource and sort of point in case there is Amazon. Like why was Amazon able to be successful? Um, and I think just like a lot of other really great companies, it's giving time back to people. So when I think of that hierarchy, and I know I've been on a rant here, but when I think of this hierarchy, one, does this give time back to people? Two, do I think this is going to have a huge, uh, a large TAM or total addressable market? And three, how scalable is this? And is it going to improve over time? And sort of all of those boxes are checked in that digitalized AI, which I... I think it's really going to be a sector that nobody's really even considering right now. So, so I'll sort of pause there, but um, that's a long-winded way of saying that's what I think personally is what I want to be a part of because I, I think it's 
just got massive potential. You know, I always love when I can tap into like the thought process of Andrew because it was, I think it was actually better than uh, what I, I've been doing, and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna copy it. Sorry, sir. Uh, for me, <laughs> for me, I've I've done this quite a few times, but. Uh, Andrew, it sounds like you're running your life like you're running a company, like a little bit of a North Star in there, some guiding principles and values. And I think that's the right way. For me, I've done that in that I've kind of short term just jumped from place to place. I think quarterly or annually, whatever the cadence I decide at the time, I'll set a goal, like some sort of promotion goal or some sort of income goal. And I go, okay, well, if in two years, I'm not seeing this, I'm out. Just because in the workplace, I have this, I know that I'll find a, I know I'll find something, right? In product, especially if you market yourself well, you know, you have capabilities, you have wins to talk about, you talk a good game and you can sell yourself well, you're going to get another job. And so for me, when I'm looking, I'm essentially working off those short-term goals. Sadly, they're not aligning towards a North Star. I think I'm missing opportunities there. But I just look at these short-term goals that I have. You know, I want to make X amount of dollars. I'm at this company. It's not happening. Okay, I, I move on. You know, I want to enjoy my work. I want to enjoy the people I work with, have a pretty good life. Am I not achieving that? All right, set a date. Things don't change. I'm gone. And, uh, and, and it's really that simple. It's really that simple. Yeah, and then... Um... Also to the topic of startups versus uh, a bigger company. Um, I think, uh, Andrew, your initial uh, point was that what should be the way to enter the job market when you start out, mm -hmm. if, if, I, if I understand that correctly. So, I mean, I mean, I would like to look at it from when you graduate or when you start, when you enter into professional life, how should you guide your thought process on how you want to uh, move forward or uh, move up the ladder. Um, and, and I think a lot depends on your circumstances as well, your socioeconomic circumstances. Um, I think at that time, um, it's, it's, it's difficult to make decisions keeping in view all these factors that we just talked about. But if I look back at my career, um, I think the fact that I started with a bigger company and then moved into startups, that worked well for me. I'm not saying, saying that's going to work, for, work well for everyone, but it did enable me to understand how corporates work, how businesses work, how tech departments work, how uh, departments, uh, tech departments work with other departments. Um, and then I think that also enabled me to move from the tech side towards business side. That was my goal four years into my career. Um, so I think there, there are uh, and then, of course, I see uh, my colleagues, my friends who started the startups uh, because they had better opportunities for, to, for doing that. The place that I started in, there was no concept of startups over there. Um, but then the, my friends, current friends who started from uh, the Silicon Valley or other places where there was a lot of uh, promotion and a lot of opportunities when it comes to startups, they started from startups and they're doing considerably well than, than what I'm doing. Uh, but if I just look at where I came from, the opportunities that I had, I think it worked really well for me to start with a bigger company and then move towards startups. Mm -hmm. And it kind of resonates with the theme of, and this certainly is important, important. to me, is learning to follow before you can lead. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there, I guess. Um, I think, and, and just keep in mind, my, like my grandfather worked for like two companies in Tyre's life, like the, the U S army when, <laughs> when he was 16 and then GM until he retired. Right. So, um, my bias is towards looking at a longer term narrative around, do I believe in the historical value of this organization, right? Which is a bias against smaller companies with more risk. And one of the challenges I run into is, um, as I look at the market, um, and I always believe that people should know their worth, the question becomes, what would it take for me to walk away from existing infrastructure, right? So kind of where I was alluding to before is like, how do you value things like um, you know, 401k, pension, uh, you know, the legal services that you can buy at a lot of larger companies or umbrella insurance, things that you might not necessarily think about if you were kind of biased towards smaller companies. But, you know, if you're working for one of the larger companies and you want a will, you just, you know, you paid your 17 bucks a month, you go, someone will do your will for you, right? Um, there's no question about what happens if there is an accident or this, that, and the other thing. I think that one of the sunk costs sort of calculations that I do is I've worked with myself for a while. I know that no matter where I go, it's going to be a full day, right? I find it really challenging not to work on weekends, not to work, you know, 10 plus hours a day. Um, so if that calculus is correct, then I think that dovetails nicely into some of the other things that, you know, the rest of you just discussed, which is around what company do I want to work at, work for, um, where, where are my hard boundaries around title? Um, and I think a lot about, um, what my resume would say, what's my career narrative. If I went from, let's say, um, senior product owner responsible for millions of customers to a company where I'm just, you know, called a, a, a product manager or whatever it is. Right. Um, and I need to be able to walk other people through that narrative. Right. So that no matter what happens, I'm creating some resiliency against my, my next stop, right. Being able to monetize my time in that next job. Right. You never want to take I never want to take a step backwards without sort of intentionally saying, yeah, this narrative is going to look a bit different. If you go from a, a small company, I'm sorry, from a larger company to a smaller company, that needs to make sense to people if you want to be able to you know, create some some additional methods of saying, all right, well, I've got a contingency plan. If this doesn't work out, I'll go back to a big company. People are going to need you to explain mm-hmm. that. It it makes total sense. And and the thing that's just jumping out to me is I love, I'm like a huge Steve Jobs uh, historical presentation nerd and his Stanford Stanford, uh, commencement speech, which again, we'll throw in the notes here. um, He he brings up a topic though of like life isn't like, this is paraphrased, but life isn't going to always be in a linear path. Sometimes you have to have faith that, the journey of life is going to be able to be connected um, in an abstract way. Um, Like he, for instance, dropped in on a calligraphy class. Um, Unbeknownst to him, that actually was so important because when he was developing uh, uh, Apple, 
they actually leveraged the calligraphy um, information that he was able to obtain at Reed College from, from sort of just going into a class that he didn't think would actually give any value in the future, but it actually allowed for there to be differentiated font in the, in the traditional computer. So it's, it's a balance, right? Everything's a balance of like, what's my pro and what's my con of this decision? Or from a risk standpoint, am I going to have a bigger upside from a, a buyout standpoint? Or am I going to have that greater sense of security if I go to that more established organization? Yeah, I'm going to do something not nerdy at all. And what I was trying to say is that, um, you know, for Andrew, uh, I, I love that you started off talking about the North Star because that's actually what keeps you on track. Right. The whole Steve Jobs calligraphy thing. He always knew where he was going. He never lost sight of that. And so if you generally know directionally where you want to be, you know what your North Star is. But you keep marching in that direction. You can meander, but you'll you'll always kind of find your way. Right. You have a you have a way to guide yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's a different uh, context to this. Uh, There's another context to it. Right. Sometimes you have your direction, everything set up. Uh, life takes you on a different path, just like what Andrew mentioned about Steve Jobs. So it's good to have your North Star, your objectives, everything in place, but at the same time, you should be open to what's in store for you because sometimes things don't happen the way you plan them to be. Uh, So when Andrew was explaining, uh, talking about Steve Jobs, uh, I think another quote popped up in my mind. I don't know who said it, but it was like, life happens when you're busy making other plans or when you're busy planning something else. So it's, it's also about identifying the opportunities that come along your way as you're following your North Star. And mm-hmm. be, be cognizant enough of identifying those opportunities and taking action on them. I love that. It's great. It's, it's honestly beautiful just to think through how sort of your life is the comprised sum of all of your decisions and right. Like having to all of our points that North star so that you can hopefully be where you think you should, but understanding that it's going to be very different, but also maintaining that dynamic. And I'll even throw in an agile footing, I think is something that um, is super important in life, but also in that product development life cycle. Yeah, and when you... 100%. No, I was just mentioning that when Andrew talked about his North Star, about the 10-year vision that he has, that fits very nicely into the product management North Star. And Mm -hmm. uh, the project that I'm currently working on, it really, I feel proud of the fact that I was able to write something as a North Star at the early part of the product before the engineering team or the design team came into the picture. And now they appreciate the fact when I, it's just published on Confluence. So whenever we get into that discussion um, and everybody's working remote, so I just pick up that link, paste it in the chat and everybody opens this. And even without having to explain it to them, they say, okay, right right now it's making sense. Everything is coming together. So uh, I think it really helps. Nordstar really helps. I mean, we we all know that, but I just wanted to link it with what Andrew said earlier. It really helps to give you an objective and a vision. All right, so shameless redirect here uh, because I think this is so important about North Star. North Star metric. Uh, did you set a North Star metric, Ahad? <laughs> so I view North Star as a metric. 
so when i write down um a north star which is basically two or three lines of text um i view that as a metric that hey whatever you measure whatever metrics you create for your product whatever you measure for your product it has to be aligned with the north star so all your metrics needs to be aligned with the north star that's how i view it maybe i'm i'm wrong in this but that's what i'm doing so far so there's an interesting thing about north star metric is that there's only one and this is just kind of what's out there right i think people need to do what works for them but North Star Metric, I kind of, I was in this weird little program with for startup founders, um, and they basically gave all these articles and talked about North Star, North Star Metric, which North Star Metric is really just one one number, and uh, I, I basically was trying to set that up for my company. I was working with a chief product officer, kind of asking these questions like, "Hey, if we only had one number to measure how well we're progressing on North our North Star, what is that?" And I was told um, monthly active user. And I actually wasn't super sold on that because when I kind of looked it up and I remember the idea, North Star metric needs to have three things. One, it needs to lead to revenue. So like whatever it is that you're measuring needs to be tied to the dollars you make. It needs to reflect the customer value, like the thing that you're delivering to the customer. Whatever you say your North Star is, that one metric should be able to indicate you know how your customer feels about it what their values are and then the third thing is it has to show progress forward so um without an absence of those three things i feel like that north star metric it's by the way i think a very hard number to arrive at because you're trying to do a lot you know it's like for e-commerce for example some of their north star metrics will be number of items added to cart or number of items um checked out in a cart right? Because that captures revenue, it gives your e-commerce, so you sell things, that's the value to your customer, it checks that box. And then the more people that add and clear out something to the cart, the better you are at measuring that, oh, you know, my North Star is to be the best, you know, e-commerce, you know, best experience when buying something online. Well, that one very odd metric ends up, you know, capturing it all. And as that number just continues to grow, you know that you're building your business in the right way. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of add that you can have multiple North Stars, um, like a personal life star or North Star, um, a product North Star for what you're working on, a career North Star for how is what you're working on, to Rob's point, building that sort of career dialogue. Um, so sort of creating mini North Stars for each facet of your life. But I don't have a word for this, but like, and then almost what's the collective like destination of all of those segmented life stars so that it's oriented or you're working toward that like centers of the cosmo. I, I, I feel like we could, we could coin some, some corny term, but um, do, do you guys get what I'm saying? Where you sort of aggregate your North stars throughout your, your business or your life verticals and then combine those to sort of have that aggregated um, direction. Yeah, absolutely. One of my friends, <clears throat> um, there's a book, and I would butcher the title, um, but we can put it in the notes, um, that um, talked about unity of purpose, right? And um, it was really about, um, I believe the, 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 the title 
Um, it's Hagakure. It's a it's a book about being a good samurai, effectively. Um, but it's about how to live that life where all the things that you're trying to do align, right? Your work life, your professional life, the things that you value, your morals, et cetera. Um, I think that the one caution I would have for anybody listening who's like, okay, well, you know, at least three of these guys are very organized in their lives. They've written things down the whole nine yards. I will tell you, I've, you know, I, I, I've written so many things down. I've created so many goals. I think the thing that I've learned most is that all of these are, are compasses, they're directional sort of goals that you set. Um, but life Absolutely. happens on a regular basis. And um, one of the key pieces that I don't know if I've heard enough, maybe people are saying it, is that as you can have these long-term goals, 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, um, life happens around you. And the key piece, I think, especially in product or any change management organization is how are you creating that resilience in yourself? Um, you know, I was really surprised when I was doing my MBA and they talked a little bit about this. They were like, if you're so inclined, pray. If you're so inclined, take a walk, take, do some meditation, do the things that you need to do in order to be able to lead other people toward the vision. Um, and, and don't be married to any one particular vision, have a, have a horizon that you're going to walk toward, but consistently evaluate and change because not all of us are, you know, Beethoven or Steve jobs, you know, a lot of us, um, have confidence in our ability to lead people in product and are constantly experimenting. So, um, you know, I think that innovation, specifically in this space, especially as you bring more things into it, right? Like I could tell you today how to get a job where you're going to work 16 hours a day and make a ton of money and do nothing else, right? That's not hard. What's hard is having a life where you look around as you, you know, go home or what have you, and you say, all of these things are satisfied. Everything that I wanted to do was taken care of. Um, I feel like a good member of my home, a good member of my community. I feel like I've got a satisfying work life and I'm ready to do it tomorrow sustainably. Like in my experience, that's the hard part, especially in this product space. I honestly was getting tingles. That was beautiful, Rod. <laughs> well, then, the, you know, the parts you really liked were probably stolen from someone else. But uh, that was very really interesting. Yeah, you know, I have to remind myself of that on a regular basis, right? Like the the work that I do, if I'm going to value myself, like I value my customers, right? I cannot burn myself out today because there's always another release on the horizon. And what does that mean for my mental, emotional, spiritual health? Although I know that we, uh, you know, we're product guys and we, we, we tend to be very empirical and data-driven, um, we can be more than whatever we put on paper and, and spreadsheets. Um, so I'd encourage our folks to think about what's important to them in those, in all of those dimensions or whichever ones they care to look at. Um, and if you look at your career as a 40 year bond, what do you want to look at when you're done delivering all that value for other people? And we always want to remember though, we do not condone investing in fixed income right now because it's trash investment, <laughs> but that's not investment advice. Uh, 
I appreciate the disclaimer. I meant 40-year bond as a metaphor. (laughs) I I love that Andrew actually picked that up. I was like, oh, yeah, 40-year bond. That's just a little little statement. But Andrew's like, nope, (laughs) we do not condone it. (laughs) No, yeah, we're we're, we're anti-fixed income investments right now, given interest rates. So that could be be another topic. But I, I think that... Rob, that was beautifully said. Um, if anybody else has anything else to add, um, I think this might be a good spot for us to sort of put a pin in our uh, thoughts today. And that was it. Thank you all for listening. We have some exciting things planned for next time. So stay tuned.